Hello and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I'm Tim Moore, the Senior Evangelist for Lamb and Lion Ministries. And I'm Nathan Jones, Internet Evangelist. You know, since Cain raised his hand against Abel, strife and discord among men has been present upon the earth. Looking back, conflict and war between people and nations are more common than serenity and peace. And that conflict often centers on the nation of Israel. One of the reasons we are told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem is because that city and the world in general will never know true peace until the Prince of Peace returns to reign over his glorious millennial kingdom. Until then, we'll have trouble in this world. Nation will continue to rise against nation. Jesus said that one of the signs preceding his coming will be an increase in wars and rumors of war. Following the principle of birth pains, this sign will also increase in frequency and intensity, leading up to the rapture of the church and actually continuing during the tribulation before the second coming. And that is exactly what we've seen in recent years. Well, thankfully, the Bible gives us significant details about the final battles mankind will wage in the end times before and after <clears throat> Jesus returns. So, folks, we're delighted to be joined today by Dr. David Reagan, the founder of Lamb and Lion Ministries. Dave, as always, it's a pleasure to have well, you, you back on Christ in Prophecy. Here. Yes, sir. Well, we are excited, and so Nathan and I provided a brief overview of the topic <laughs> we're going to tackle today. But the impetus for our discussion of wars and rumors of wars is your new book, The Nine Wars of the End Times. So, i got to ask you, what motivated you to write this book right now? Well, I was motivated by the fact that uh, during the 41 years that I was active in this ministry, I kept getting phone calls from people, including pastors. Every time a war would break out in the Middle East, they'd call and say, is this the war of, uh, uh, you know, of Armageddon? Mm -hmm. And that's always the question. And it suddenly dawned on me that most people, that's the only war they know of in the end times. And then I found out that even people who know Bible prophecy really seem to only be aware of two wars. Uh, the Battle of Armageddon and the War of Gog and Magog. And so I thought, well, maybe I should put all together what I know of, of the wars of the end times. And I had uh, given this talk many times in Israel and at some conferences, and people came up and said, well, I didn't know all that. Yeah. So I decided to put it in written form and went into it in much greater detail. You sure did. Well, and it was a great blessing to me. I really enjoyed reading this book. You went into a lot of detail that I didn't even know. <laughs> Especially the first chapter. So to me that was kind of shocking because you go back and you give a history of warfare. You say, uh, page 14 here, 10,624 battles in the history of mankind, pr primarily recorded in Europe. If you count Central South America where it wasn't recorded, uh, it's estimated up to 50,000 battles. from, And that only goes back to the year 2500 B.C. And you said that humanity has been only entirely at peace for 268 years. That well, is tragic. I was as amazed by all that as you were. I do a lot, did a lot of research on that first chapter. Uh, and the, the point of the first chapter is that the world says that the cause of war is social injustice. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says the cause of war is the depraved heart of man. Yeah. And of course the Lord's going to prove that the Bible's right in the millennium when that earth is going to be flooded with peace, righteousness, and justice for a thousand years. And yet at the end those in the flesh, many of them, are going to revolt against Jesus Christ, even though they had perfect social justice during that time. Exactly right. So, in this first chapter, I go into war, uh, history of wars, and I talk about wars in the Bible, and uh, the fact that uh, once the children of Israel got in the land, they seemed like they spent most of their time fighting each other. One civil war after another, and then war with the Moabites, and the, you know, the Ammonites, and the Philistines, and on and on. And then I talk about uh, modern day wars, 
And I learned a lot in that, the, the talking about secular wars. And they go, you know, the, the one with the greatest loss of life was World War II with 70 million. But in the 15 top wars, the one thing that really uh, impressed me is that the majority of these occurred in China. The Chinese yeah, have fought each that. other as far back as anybody can remember. I guess it was, you know, they had local warlords and somebody was coming in trying to, to take over all that area. And they just had slaughters of 20, 30 million people in each of their wars. And then I looked at the wars of Israel and they've had some 12 or 13 wars uh, since they began. And that's a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Prophecy says that once the nation of Israel is established, it will have birth pangs afterwards, <laughs> after it's established. And they started the day after it was established Absolutely. and have continued yeah. this day. And then I went into American wars to look at those. And I pointed out there's been 12 major wars. And the one that really surprised me, I'd always heard that the Civil War had a total of 600,000 losses. But the modern day, in just the last 10 years, there have been experts who have studied this in great detail, studied the census records and so forth, and they're now convinced that the death toll in the Civil War was 750,000. Wow. And if you know anything about the Civil War, you know that in every battle they lost anywhere from 30 to 50,000 troops. And you're talking about both sides. Yes. You know, Tremendous. Not just the North. You're talking about North and South. They're all Americans dying. We lost more people in the Civil War than we have in all the wars we've ever fought since that time. You know, you talk about the, the source of all this animosity and hatred between mankind being the deceitful, sin-saturated heart. That's and right. that's not just true for nations and collectively. That's true for individuals. Absolutely. I mentioned Cain against Abel, the jealousy that Cain had for his brother. And so to this day, whether it's on an individual basis or on a national basis or nationwide basis, this sin and animosity, this, this jealousy is manifesting conflict after conflict. That's right. James, the brother of Jesus, said in James chapter 4 that the source of all this is uh, the uh, uh, greed and envy, uh, you know, the nature of the human heart. That's what caused it. Sure is. Yeah. Well, Let's get into the meat of it then. Okay. How about the nine wars of the end times? Like you said, most people only think that there's two wars of the end times. Yeah. So why don't we start with the first, and that is called the Psalm 83 war or the War of Annihilation, a very okay. controversial war. Tell now, us about that. This one. is the first of the nine wars I mentioned, and uh, I, t I, I call it an iffy war. An iffy now, the war? reason I call it iffy <laughs> is because this is the only one of the nine that I'm not absolutely convinced is going to occur. And I go through a lot of different uh, Bible prophecy experts to try to show what the views are. Uh, some believe that this is not a prophecy at all, Psalm 83, but simply a lament about the fact that Israel is under constant attack and asking the Lord to protect Israel. Uh, so that, that's one group. Another group believes it's a war that occurred in Bible times. I don't believe that at all. Another one believes that uh, a, a number believe that it is, occurred in 1967 in the Six-Day War. Even Bill Solace, who came up with this uh, revived Psalm 83 has admitted that it could have been that, but he doesn't think so. And this is a war between Israel and its surrounding neighbors? Yes, the, the ones that he has a common border with. Okay, so like and, Syria, and Lebanon. I call it the War Egypt. of Annihilation because that's what it says in Psalm 83. And then there are those who believe it will be in the future. And it will be the war that will probably then cause all the Arab nations to turn to Russia and say, come to our aid. I'm not going to tell you what my position is. 
they can get the book and read it because uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, it, uh, I have give a lot of reasons for my particular position. I'll have time to go into them. So we'll go to war number two. Okay. That sounds great. <laughs> I, I do find it very compelling that it is all the immediate neighbors of Israel that seem to be involved in this war of attrition, or excuse me, That's a war right. of annihilation, That's right. which is exactly what we've seen. And not just their neighbors surrounding now, uh, some of the most uh, animus people that are near to Israel are right in its midst, the Palestinians both in what the, uh, right. the Western world calls West Bank or in Gaza, and they're constantly lobbing rockets or creating chaos in the, in the Promised Land. And those nations are missing from the list of Gog and Magog wars. Right. It seems like it fills the whole of the Gog-Magog so war, which is the like, second you know, war. This is the, the group that first attacks, then comes the Gog and Magog war, where they don't mention anybody that has a common boundary. So let's go to Gog and Magog. You said you weren't going to reveal okay. your final Well, now we answer. come to a war we know is we going to happen. We know this yeah. was going to happen. And the we're gonna, big what? this is a this is Russia coming down against Israel with uh, a great number of allies, all of whom today are Muslim states. Where in the scripture can our readers find reference to this war? Ezekiel thirty-eight and thirty-nine. All right. Two full and, chapters. Um, but the, the question about this war, the big debate about this war, is not whether or not this war is going to happen. The big debate is the timing of it. When will this war occur? And I would say that probably for almost a hundred years, those who interpreted Bible prophecy from a literal viewpoint took the position that this war will begin right after the beginning of the tribulation. Because one of the conditions for this war is that Israel will be living in peace. So they said, okay, the Antichrist is going to make a treaty with Israel, probably a treaty of peace, a treaty to protect Israel, so that's when the war will begin. But there's been a shift in that, and that is no longer the majority viewpoint among those who interpret Bible prophecy literally. Uh, as I point out in the chapter, and I give you the names of the people, it seems that the majority today are arguing, no, it's going to occur in the interim that's going to be between the rapture and the beginning of the tribulation. Most people seem to think of the tribulation beginning with the rapture. No. But the Bible does not say that. The Bible says the tribulation begins when the Antichrist makes a treaty with Israel. So I think there's going to be a, a, a period of time, it may be several months, it may be three or four or five years between the time of the rapture and the time of the beginning of the tribulation. During that time I think the Antichrist will rise to power in Europe and he will do so with diplomacy and uh, with uh, tremendous wisdom and conniving and all that sort of thing, he'll rise to power. But then he wants to take over the world. Yeah. And I can guarantee you the idea that most people have that the, the world's going to come and bow down before the Antichrist and say, please rule us, is nonsense. Uh, Europe and Af Africa and Asia have spent 200 years getting out from underneath European colonialism. And they're not going to turn around and say, come rule us. He's going to have to conquer those nations. And so all-out war is going to start. So uh, I would say the majority today think that the war at least is going to begin during that interim period. That makes some sense, say before right? the rapture, some say after the rapture. I think one of the most compelling points about it being before the tribulation itself is the fact that Israel will gather the weapons that Gog, Magog, the, the Russia uh, alliance of nations uh, brings against it which God defeats that, that coalition of nations on the mountains of Israel. And Ezekiel 39.9 says that the Jews will gather those weapons and use them for, for fuel for seven years. And so that almost compels a date prior to the tribulation. It doesn't yes. have to be, but that would be a, a pretty clear 
indication. Oh, it's, it's great. And God steps in and defeats those enemies. It's not the IDF. Yes. And that's something very different than the church age, where oh, yeah. God himself is, is defeating Israel's enemies. That's right. Matter of fact, it says he sends the fire back on the nations and obliterates them, and only a ninth of their armies is left alive. So Russia will use nukes against Israel, and they'll turn around and go back. I think that's right now, in, as we're recording and, and playing this for the first time in the middle of 2023, there was a time just a few years ago when even our own leaders in America dismissed Russia as being any threat on the world scene yeah. and said Russia is no longer a threat, the bear has been defanged. And yet in just recent months or the last few years, Russia has reemerged as a major threat. And in very recent time, Russia is beginning to align with Iran and Turkey. And so we've seen this unholy alliance of nations coming together just as prophesied, and yet some would have dismissed the very Word of God. Yeah, well, no, when the true. Soviet Union fell, I was inundated in the early 90s with emails and phone calls saying, see, you're, you don't know what you're talking about because you're talking <laughs> about an invasion of Russia and the end times and Russia's over with. And I said, hey, Russia's not over with. Russia, they said, well, it's going to be a democracy now. I said, you're crazy. Russia has no democratic values whatsoever, right. and it will never be a democracy. There's going to be a totalitarian dictatorship that will take over, and that's exactly what happened. You know, some of the people argue this is going to be before the rapture and the tribulation, and these are very eminent Bible prophecy experts, and some say, well, how can it, there's no signs for the rapture, so how could it be before? Well, there are no signs for the rapture, but that does not mean some of these events cannot take place before the rapture, like right. the reestablishment of Israel took place before the rapture, exactly. but uh, it doesn't, didn't have to. So well, speaking of dictatorships, we know that the next couple of wars occur under the leadership of a particular dictator, which you've already mentioned, the Antichrist. So take us to wars number three and four okay. in your list. Well, uh, the third war I mentioned is the seal judgments of the book of Revelation, the very set, uh, first set of judgments. And this is what I call the tribulation conventional war. It's really World War III. Mm -hmm. And this is when the Antichrist launches his attacks to take over the world. And of course, one of, I think that through these attacks, God's going to judge the Muslim world. Uh, he's going to first judge them uh, uh, in, in the, uh, uh, the wars there in the Middle East when they're pretty well annihilated. But the most of the Muslims in the world are not in the Middle East. They're in other places. The largest Muslim country in the world is Indonesia. Second is India and so forth. So, Anyway, I think what's happened is that uh, the Muslims will never accept a European leader, and he'll have to uh, conquer the Muslim world as well as the rest of the world. And it's going to be an all-out war. World, I call it World War III, the Tribulation Conventional War. And it says that uh, one-fourth of humanity is going to die in this war. Wow. We have seven billion people today. If a billion of those are taking the rapture, that leaves six billion. If you take a, a fourth of that, you're talking about one and a half billion people are going to be killed in this war. Yes. We never had that kind of uh, statistics before. And then we come to the fourth war, which is really a continuation, but I have, I have set it out as a separate war because what happens is it looks like that the war that uh, the Antichrist begins, the conventional war, morphs into a nuclear war. Yes. And so then in Revelation 8 we talk about one third of the earth burning up. We talk about all this stuff burning up. And it, sound, it looks to me like it is a nuclear war. And uh, that one again one third of humanity is, uh, is killed in that particular war. And one third of those left would be another one and a half billion. So that means by the middle of the tribulation there's going to be three billion people dead. Yes. And that, I have even pastors call me when a war breaks out in the Middle East. They say, 
do you think this is the war of Armageddon? I said, hey, do you think we're in the tribulation? I said, listen, when we go in the tribulation, you won't have to call anybody and ask them if we're in the tribulation. You will know we're in the tribulation. And we hope that pastor and we will hope not be here. Won't be yeah. here. <laughs> That's right, because the church won't be here. Hope well, you'll be taken out before then. Yeah. And that brings us to the fifth war, which is the supernatural war. Of the nine wars, this is the supernatural war. Okay. This occurs in the middle of the tribulation when Satan tries one last time to take God's throne in heaven. And Michael the archangel and his angels fight Satan. And the result is that Satan is defeated. He is cast down to earth. And it makes a very interesting statement. It says that when Satan is cast down to earth, he knows his time is short, which means Satan knows Bible prophecy. Yes, he knows. And he knows his time is short, although he has, he has self-deluded himself into believing that sooner or later he can really conquer the Lord. Well, self-deception is the worst deception of all. So, it's the and only war that takes place off the earth? Yeah, it, it takes place in the heavens. Okay. And he is con uh, thrown down to earth with no more access to heaven. He can't go before the Lord anymore and condemn us. A lot of people have a hard time grasping that Satan still has access to the throne room of God. As a matter the book fact, of Job. Exactly right. <laughs> I have a hard time understanding how God can tolerate, you know, pure evil in his presence. And yet, that's what Job tells us. And Satan does come before the Lord to he accuse does. us he does. until finally in his last ditch effort to gain the throne, as you said, God says, enough. And right. so there are things that we can't quite fully comprehend, right. but if we believe the Word of God, then we accept it as true. And, and we certainly it's interesting do. that when Satan is thrown down to earth, I think at that point he possesses the Antichrist, yes. uh, just as Judas was uh, possessed. And I think uh, what happens then is that the Antichrist immediately launches the next war, the war on the Jewish people, war number six, and described in Revelation 12. And he tries to annihilate the Jewish people. That's what he tried to do in the Holocaust. He's tried to do it throughout history. And he has come close to it. I don't know if you ever thought about this or not, but the, the Jewish people came into existence at the same time as the Arab people. Mm -hmm. The Arab people are descendants of Ishmael and the Jewish people of, of uh, Isaac. Today there's 400 million Arabs. How many Jews are there? 14 million in the world. That shows you how much persecution, slaughter there has been over all the years. And that's fulfillment of a prophecy. The prophecy says uh, that, that God will distribute them around the earth. And it says you will become, whereas you are as abundant as the stars, you will become very, very few in number. And that's what's happened. Well, so why does Satan want to destroy the Jewish people? Because the he the hates Jews? the Jewish people with an absolute passion. Okay. He hates them because uh, one, they gave the world, God gave uh, uh, the Bible through them. Uh, secondly, He gave the Messiah through them. Thirdly, they are His chosen people. And uh, fourth, He has announced that He is determined to bring a great remnant to salvation in the end times, and Satan does not want to see one Jew saved. So, He is determined to annihilate them. He tried to do it in the Holocaust, and He almost succeeded, and now He's going to try it once again in this war against the Jewish people that's I described think there's in one other reason. 12. I think Satan, if he could succeed in destroying the Jews, would make God a liar because God said He true. will preserve the Jews. And so Satan wants to make God into a liar, and we know Satan is the I father think you're of lies. Absolutely correct and, about that. And the Jewish people have to proclaim to the Lord, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord yes. for Jesus Christ to return, right? So if there are no Jews to say that, Jesus can't return. There's one good news aspect to this. Yes, two thirds of the Jewish people will be killed, but as Olivier Melnick said, that doesn't give us a number. So, if we are intent about evangelizing, and the Lord obviously wants to draw the Jews to Himself, just like the Gentiles, 
then we can reduce right. the actual number who will be left on the earth during the tribulation because everyone who puts their trust in Jesus Christ is now a part of the church, Jew and Gentile, and will be raptured before this tribulation begins. And, and God is not going to allow this second holocaust, which will be greater than the Nazi holocaust. He's not going to allow this second holocaust because He hates the Jews. He is trying to bring the Jewish people to the end of themselves. Yes. So, uh, the Jews have, in Old Testament times, they always ran to Egypt. In modern day times they run the United States. In the tribulation they'll have no one to run to except God. And at the end of the tribulation they're finally going to turn their hearts to God. He's going to bring them to the end of themselves and they're going to look upon Him in their pierce, weep and will and mourn, and receive Yeshua as their Messiah. Well this brings to the fact that many Christians worry about what we've already talked about, the war of Armageddon. And yet we believe that because Christ will rapture the church to go to be with Him during this period, we won't be on the earth anyway. That's right. And yet we've still got three more wars for those who are interested that are going to take place largely out of sight of us, although we will witness the final okay. uh, victory of one. The seventh war that I mentioned here is what I call the Antichrist Middle East War. I think what happens is after the Antichrist uh, takes over uh, Jerusalem, drives the Jews out to uh, their hiding place uh, in Jordan, which would probably be Petra. Uh, he then retreats to his headquarters, which I believe will be Rome, and uh, he settles into his reign. But what happens is near the end of the tribulation uh, there's a tremendous revolt in the Middle East against his rule. Well, I think what happens is a lot of the Jews come back into Jerusalem and they begin to revolt. And so he launches a major invasion of the uh, Middle East that's described in Daniel chapter 11. And it's interesting in Daniel chapter 11 it says he goes all the way through the Middle East down to Egypt conquering, but is not allowed to go into Jordan yeah. area. God won't let him in there because that's where the Jew, many of the Jews are hiding. And then it says he, he hears uh, rumors of an army coming from the east. Mm -hmm. And so he starts retreating from Egypt. And I think what happens as he retreats, he leaves some of his military in Jerusalem to surround the city. And then he goes on to the uh, Valley of Armageddon where he gathers a huge army and waits for those armies from the east. And I think the armies from the east are coming from eastern nations that are rebelling against his rule. This is where the China fits Euphrates in. will be dried up so they can cross. Yes. And they're coming, I think, to rebel against him. And uh, it's at that point that Jesus breaks from the heavens. And so this battle is a battle that is really not a battle because no. there's not going to be a clash of arms. It's going to be won with, uh, with what? A mere word. The battle of Armageddon does not exist. There you go. <laughs> Jesus returns the Mount of Olives. Read Zechariah 14. And at the moment his foot touches that mountain, it splits in half. He speaks a supernatural word. And keep in mind, this is the one who spoke, and the whole world came into being. He speaks, he's the one who speaks, and the bodies come together and come out of the graves and the ocean or whatever. He's the one that speaks, and just like that. Everyone, all of the uh, Antichrist and all of his armies just are instantly killed. Their, their, their skin drops from their bodies. Mm. The only thing left is the blood. And uh, it splatters on the horses as high as a bridle for 200 miles. It's amazing. And just so we don't see any battle. He doesn't send an army out to fight against somebody. He just speaks the word. Amen. And that's it. And Although we do get, get to see that. Yeah, yeah, we do get to witness <laughs> And we get to witness We're coming yeah. back yeah. with the Lord. Yeah. And that ushers us into the millennial kingdom, the millennial reign that's of Christ, right. when He floods the earth with peace, righteousness, and justice. And at the end of that millennium, then we have the final, war. second Crazy. war of Gog and Magog. I call it that because it says that there's going to be a revolt against Jesus Christ, and the, the, some of those in the flesh are going to come to Jerusalem 
to revolt against him, and it says they'll be led by Gog and Magog. And I think that indicates that the leaders of this are going to come from the same general area. And because it's called that, some of, of, of have uh, thought that it was the war of Gog and Magog, but it's not. The war of Gog and Magog is against Israel. This war is against Jesus Christ. Well, Tim, you've served overseas in a number of wars. What are some takeaways that you could give our viewers? Well, first of all, no one who has served in a war relishes war. As a matter of fact, military people know firsthand how horrific war can be. And so we no longer have any desire to go back into war. Uh, young people sometimes glamorize it. But I can tell you when I was a young Air Force cadet, uh, I was required to memorize a quotation by John Stuart Mill, which said, war is an ugly thing but not the ugliest of things, the decayed and degraded state of moral and patriotic feeling which thinks that nothing is worth war is much worse. The man who has nothing for which he is willing to fight, nothing which is more important than his own personal safety, is a miserable creature and must be kept free by the exertions of better men than himself. And so, you know, one thing that I will observe, and I've seen it firsthand, is that war brings out both the best and the worst in man. And I can also assert that, uh, again, it should not be glorified or celebrated. And today, we haven't glorified or celebrated war. We just observed what God's Word has to say about it. But there are truths that I would be willing to fight and, and die for. And frankly, we need to advocate for the truth as revealed in God's Holy Word. And so there is a battle that all of us as Christians, I think, should be engaged in, whether we realize it or not. You know, there's a spiritual battle going on. And Satan would like to undermine our faith, rob us, rob us of our hope, and dampen our love. And so we need to fight back with all the, the spiritual tools that Jesus Christ has given to us, the Holy Spirit has allowed us to have, and we need to resist the devil, flee from temptation, and uh, be advocates for our soon-coming King. Well said, Tim. Well, Dave, on that note, uh, maybe you could give some words of encouragement as well for our viewers. Well. The word of encouragement is that uh, there is hope for anyone who puts their hope, their faith in Jesus Christ Amen. as their Lord and Savior. And I mean tremendous hope. I make that point at the end of this book. Excellent. Yeah. You know, I think that we know the battles will rage, uh, but the victory has already been won. So <laughs> Satan thinks he's going to win, and he will have other battles to win, but Jesus will win the victory when he crushes Satan's head in the very end. And Dave... Uh, as far as the hope that even your book offers to people who read it, it was a tremendous encouragement to, for me to read this book, and I pray that many others will get a copy. Uh, I suspect a lot of our viewers today would like to do so. So, Nathan, how can they get a copy of Dave's wonderful book? Oh, absolutely. Well, for only $15, and that includes shipping, we'd be glad to send you a copy of Nine Wars of the End Times. We've only touched on the highlights of insights Dave offers in his latest book, so just visit our website at ChristinProphecy.org or call the number you see on the screen to place your order. Dave, I've actually taught on the nine wars of the end times based on some of the material you provided in the past, and you've just expanded on that today. So. Thank you for writing this book, and thank you for joining us again on Christ in Prophecy. Good to be here. We'll have you back, I promise okay. you. Thank you. That's all the time we have for today. Until next week, this is Nathan Jones. And Tim Moore saying, look up and be watchful for our Supreme Commander-in-Chief, our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is coming soon. Godspeed.
Most people are aware of the end-time war prophesied in the Bible called the Battle of Armageddon. But did you know Bible prophecy also reveals eight other wars? Arm yourself with Dr. David Reagan's brand new book, Nine Wars of the End Times, and read about the truth of what God's prophetic word says about the end times. Make sure you're ready for Jesus's soon return. To get your copy of this book, just call the number you see on the screen and ask for it by name, or visit our website at lamblion.com.